we had fun making the first video, but to your point, certainly did not think anything real material was gonna come of it. We were just having a good time. The response was really strong. And so in typical college fashion, we wanted to continue trying what we had just seen a little bit of success with. So we went out to Tyler's family's ranch, filmed it. The response was even better, kind of continued along that path. And a few videos in, companies started emailing us saying that they wanted to be featured in the videos. And so for us, that was the light bulb moment of, whoa, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. And it took us a while before we did that first one. Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. The best way to stay connected is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. One of the things that the community has asked us for is helping connecting them with like-minded faith-driven investors. We're in the process of launching Marketplace, a new platform to present your venture and connect with like-minded investors that are serious about honoring God as you are. Everything from philanthropic to market rate deals, from here in the U.S. to emerging markets. Check it out at faithdriveninvestor.org forward slash marketplace. While you're there, please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Welcome back, everyone, from wherever you are around the globe to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, how could a homemade trick shot video made in the backyard of a college house turn into a multi-million dollar business? That's the question that we're going to ask Kobe Cotton of Dude Perfect. If you haven't heard of them, your kids have. And let me tell you, their videos can entertain just about anyone. With over 56 million YouTube subscribers, whatever it is that they're doing is working. Today, we're going to talk about the early days when they were just making videos for fun. The day they all quit their day jobs and went all in and what day to day looks like now. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here with William. William, how are you? Good to be here. I'm doing great today, actually. And even better once we bring Kobe on. Yeah, I'm so with you. So this is a big, big, big deal for me. And I'll explain it here in a second. So before we go too much further into it, Kobe Cotton, welcome to the program. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. So this is a big deal for me personally. I am the father of three teenage boys. William is the father of a three-year-old boy, and he is about to get ready into all sorts of different things like Adventures in Odyssey podcasts and all the things that come from focusing the family. They've been such a big part of my parenting journey over the course of the last 19 years. But I can think of a few things that have been more formative in my boys' lives, especially my youngest son's life, than Dude Perfect. You got five guys who love Jesus, who love having a great time. Uh, they're athletes like my boys are. And for them to see great, relevant cultural role models is a blessing to me as a father. You want that. They talk about the fact that you can be the greatest father of all time, and it's incredibly important, but it's also the four or five other cultural influences and other men that might speak into their lives. So the influence of a role model that does things at such scale that Dude Perfect does it. Kobe, how many subscribers do you have? I think it's around 56 million right now. <laughs> that's a big that's number. A, that's Gosh, you know, we just hit 54 million. Yeah. So that's good, that, guys. That's that feels good, bad because we're, gosh, we, we thought we were on top, Henry. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible scale. And so there's so much in that, right? There's so much in that 
And there's so many different things I want to talk about in the program in terms of the team dynamic and your faithful obedience in the same direction, how you keep things going over and over. But we're grateful for you being here. One of the things that we want to, though, start off with every podcast is to understand a little bit about the autobiographical sketch of each person we're talking to. So we're going to talk about the team here in a second. So many of the questions that I have have to do with how you can create in a team for so long keep it fresh and keep the friendships real. What does that look like? Because I think that's really relevant for the entrepreneurs that listen to this, that do so in a team. But let's start off with Kobe Cotton. I know who you are, at least I think I do through all the things you've put on the web. And yet I'm sure there's lots of things that you haven't released. Where'd you grow up? Who are you? Is faith a part of your life? If so, when did it become so? Who's Kobe Cotton? Absolutely. Well, first, before I dive into history, I just wanted you guys to know, Henry, multiple people had passed y'all's information along to me and I'd stumbled on it a couple of different times. But a few months back when we were first setting up this interview, I dove so deep into an article that you had written about, I think it was 15 or 20 best practices that you had learned with bandwidth. And it was just really impactful on me. And that was the main reason why I wanted to make sure to do this podcast, because I just really resonated with a lot of what you shared. We've been making a lot of changes this year here at Dude Perfect. And uh, just trying to build a really, you know, strong company with a lot of the principles and values that you had outlined. So just wanted you to know that at the outset. Uh, wow. That's an awesome encouragement. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And Lord, forgive me if I brag about that tonight at dinner with my three boys at Kobe Cotton <laughs> and said that we were any bit of an encouragement to how God was using him in the marketplace. So thank you. That was awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So a little backstory from us. So Dude Perfect is five guys. We actually started a six uh, at Texas A&M. We had a six member. As everything got going, he ended up doing med school. So he's still a close friend of ours. Uh, so if you really, really know the history, there were six of us. So for the last 12 years, though, there have been five guys. We started in our backyard in College Station, Texas, as classic Texas A&M Aggies. It was our junior year. Uh, we had an all-grass backyard. And so naturally, we were very competitive guys. So a couple guys went out and bought a basketball goal couldn't dribble it around because of the grass. So they just started shooting these crazy shots in the backyard. Tyler bet Garrett a Jimmy John sandwich that he could make a hook shot from behind the tree, nailed it, classic. So then of course they had to get the camera out to show us when we got back home. By the time we got there, everybody was trying to one up each other and we were videoing it. Corey had iMovie on his Mac and a YouTube account at youtube.com slash Corey Cotton. So he naturally put it together and threw it up. And it was, in our opinion, pretty terrible video. But for some reason, God had other plans and it kind of took off. So that very first video, I think we called Backyard Stuntman uh, until we renamed it Dude Perfect. You know, but that was the very beginning of DP there in the backyard of College Station. That's super cool. So you grew up, you're a twin. By the way, I should mention, and I hope that we'll bring, uh, we have listeners in 145, 150 countries now. And I hope that everybody will make a commitment to looking at the video, subscribing. We don't have a very deep subscriber base. So we're not going to make a big dent in the 56 million. Mm -hmm. But because this podcast, we're going to have a lot of people joining Team Kobe. Because I know Tyler's been in, he's been out. But I think that every <laughs> FD listener is going to be a, a solid member of Team Kobe when this is done. Talk about growing up as a twin and talk about, you know, did you grow up in a Christian house? Was faith a part of your life? Is it a part of your life now as you all get together and you serve out in the marketplace? What's that look like for you? Yeah, I did. Uh, actually, all five of us very fortunate and blessed to have grown up with very strong believing families who 
we just were introduced to Christ at a really young age. Just, I'm so grateful for that. My parents are both amazing. They both worked in ministry growing up. And so, yeah, that was something that was a part of my life from really early age. Uh, When we met at school, the five of us, we met through a Bible study there and through playing basketball and ended up as roommates. So that was definitely, and continues to be at the core of the relationship between the five of us as well. Okay. Very cool. Okay. I want to get into the question that I've been thinking about as I was looking forward to our interview today, which is you guys have been doing this, as you said, for 12 years and you've been prolific. You've come up with hundreds of videos. Every one of them is very, very good. The production value is outstanding. Everyone's creative, but you got five guys around and each of you you know, Tyler might go ahead and he might maybe take more of a role in, in some, you know, the game showing over time and things like that. But all five of you play a really, really important role. Talk to us about that team dynamic, because there's a chemistry that you guys have that is amazing. And I think part of your appeal, and yet that's got to be hard to do. And just tell us about how that works. Presumably, there's a lot of stuff also that goes on behind the scenes. So walk us through the team dynamic. Yeah, it's a great question, Henry. I think, like you said, I think it's part of the appeal and it's always part of the challenge as well, right? I think there's benefits and cons to having five guys in kind of an entertainment company like we do, right? We were just out filming with a guy who was an individual and we were talking about how challenging it would be if everything rode on just you, right? So we have this ability to share kind of the spotlight and the creative challenges of coming up with things with the other four guys. But at the same time, you know, you it's not a, an individually led typical CEO running a company type standpoint, right? Where there's all these shared opinions and sometimes it can be difficult to come to a consensus. So there's definitely pros and cons. I think what we've been so grateful for is that each of the five of us do have natural gifts and skill sets. And so honestly, from the very beginning, the way we broke up kind of the business roles and responsibilities is where we are today, 12 years later. I've kind of run a lot of the business side. My brother has spearheaded the production, which meant at first he was the one doing all the editing and now he's managing that team. Tyler runs and leads all the creative. He's the one who says he thinks of cool ideas. That's just something that happens to him. Uh, Garrett has run our merchandise and our financial stuff. And Cody has run our social media for all these years. And so kind of all the natural bents and abilities between the five of us has really been so helpful in just shouldering that load. Yeah, from the beginning. Cool. So coming back to the beginning here a second. So you've got this great epic viral video, Backyard Stuntman. You realize you got something because so many people are down into it. When did it start? When did you kind of look at each other and say, you know what, maybe this is actually something we can do. I'm going to presume that before you film that video, you had not thought you'd be making trick shots for your career. But at what point in time did you look at each other and say, I actually think we got something here and maybe we'll at least push off some of those other things we'd planned as we set up this business? We had fun making the first video, but to your point, certainly did not think anything real material was going to come of it. We were just having a good time. The response was really strong. And so in typical college fashion, we wanted to continue trying what we had just seen a little bit of success with. So we went out to Tyler's family's ranch, filmed it. The response was even better, kind of continued along that path. And a few videos in, companies started emailing us saying that they wanted to be featured in the videos. And so for us, that was the light bulb moment of, whoa, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. And it took us a while before we did that first one. But at some point, GMC early on reached out and they wanted to do an NBA finals commercial, which is just a crazy way to jumpstart the commercial piece of the business for us. And uh, that was the one where Tyler dropped a basketball out of an airplane and they played that during the NBA finals. So it was a really cool first kind of foray into the business world for us. 
Okay. So before I hand this over to William, my co-host here, I do have some other questions that we have thought about with some input from some of our younger listeners at FDE to include my son. What's the longest you've ever spent on a single trick shot? Because we know there's an integrity there. This is not, you know, you actually are making these and you're just not showing every take. So what's the longest it's taken to make one? Two come to mind. Uh, The longest that I can remember, we same ranch that I talked about before. We cut down a tree, used a tractor, put it in the ground, called it the world's largest slingshot. And it took all of the first day and half of day two to make it. I mean, it was, it was brutal surgical tubing, big old duct tape pouch basketball. I think it was probably a hundred yards that it would launch. It was insane. And just to get it all right, took a really long time. That was tough. The second one that I think of locally here in Frisco, Texas, north of Dallas, where we live and have our business. We rented out this basketball arena for these foam airplane shots that we do. And I mean, we had a whole day of stuff planned. And it turned out that the very first shot we tried to do was this triple flipper from the upper deck and get it to pop this balloon at the very bottom. And that literally ended up being the only shot we did the entire day. And I I mean, whatever that was, eight, 12 hour day that we were there, we <laughs> made it in the last few minutes and everybody was... It was tough. It was a tough look to get one shot out of however much we paid to rent the arena, but we were glad we at least made that one by the end. On the other side, was there one where you kind of steal yourself? It's like, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we did this shot, but it's probably going to take four or five hours to do. And so you just kind of do it. And then like one of you like makes it on the first time you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. The one that I mentioned for GMC where Tyler shot it out of the airplane, he went up the first try came around. He's in one of those crop dusters. I mean, it's still an airplane. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just a little bit lower than your 747. And so he's, he's coming by and he drops it. And I mean, he missed it by three football fields and almost hit a cow out in this pasture far away. And we're like, what have we signed up for? There are probably 40 camera people there, this big production company for the TV commercial. He circles back around the second time and we're all yelling, drop it, drop it. He drops it and he drains it on the second try. So I think for us, that was the one that, uh, we were like, guys, we're on to something. I think the crew must have thought, we have got the right guys. These guys are automatic. What else can we do? And uh, Ty says he'll never do it again because he loves having a 50% percentage from the air. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, and uh, William here, I'm a huge fan too. I, you know, we, we oscillate between Henry and I about how big of fans we are with, with certain guests. But I, I can't quite approach the fandom, uh, but gosh, I love what you guys do. Gosh, it's so much fun. I love watching y'all. Um, I love a couple of years ago when you f- won your first battle. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. That was a big deal. We're on the team here. So I've got, I want to go to a question, but I, Henry just made me think of something. Have you ever quit on a trick shot? Have y'all ever started something and just days and days in said, gosh, you know what? It just was a bad idea. It's just not going to work. There was one where we were standing on the back of Tyler's truck. These are, we've, we've grown. We've grown in the things that we've decided to do over the years. This is way back college days. Again, as a slingshot. I think the moral of the story here is no need to try the slingshots if you guys Clearly. mess around at home. It's just a bad idea. Uh, but we were on the back of the truck bed, basketball, pulls slingshot back, tried it for at least an hour. And then at some point basketball gets launched and we just hear this explosion and we were really confused. And when we realized what had happened, we had clipped the back of his truck where the, where the brake light is up top on the back of the truck. And I mean, just exploded that whole back section of his truck. So we just decided, you know what, we're just going to tap out. This video is going to be fine without the shot. Sorry about your truck tie. And we, uh, we charged ahead with a new one. <laughs> so oh, we gave up, awesome. we gave up on that one. 
That's good because you know it's amazing. I'm sure you know this, but you know you've spawned an entire generation of people going into this, and uh, you know if you get on TikTok at any one time, there's 50 different people doing trick shots and, 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 you know, some of these things last days and days and days of people trying to do these things. I just think it's fascinating. I will say emotionally, it's very hard to quit because if you're two, three hours deep, I mean, that's just, that's just a complete loss if you don't get it at that point. So I get it. I understand why somebody would give multiple days to it because, uh, it's tough. It's tough to just throw that in the trash. It's amazing. I mean, you, you guys have built a business too, as you mentioned earlier, all five of y'all do different parts of the business. I, I want to switch to that for a minute. Can you walk us through it's kind of a two-part question? One, just kind of what does the business look like for our listeners? And then two, you know, gosh, you watch your videos and you just think you guys just have fun all freaking day. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But I got to ask it. Uh, what does it look like day to day? What does it look like running dude perfect? Do you really just walk in and start throwing balls into hoops every morning? Because that's pretty awesome. You may have to get a whole new people applying for jobs too. The, uh, the perception that you just described of that it's all fun and games is our hardest challenge with our individual wives. <laughs> they, of course, you know, have that same expectation of what we do at work all day. So it's hard to go home when they've had a long day with the kids and explain to them, babe, it was tough today. Like today it was hard. You know, I spent three hours trying to flip a water bottle onto this record player. And she's like, awesome, honey. You know, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Here's the, here's the kiddo. Um, yeah. But uh, the truth is there is a lot of kind of businessy pieces to it, right? Especially as the business has matured these last 12 years, there's a ton of red tape that goes into the planning side. Really, you asked initially kind of the core of the business. I would say that probably two or three main pieces of the business today for anybody who is or isn't familiar, the way YouTube works in general is you get a certain number of views and there's ads run across the videos. So when somebody watches our video of Henry, your family's watching and you guys sit through that ad, Dude Perfect gets paid uh, for that impression, right? And so that's one piece. The second piece is a lot of times we'll work with a sponsor on a video. So I mentioned GMC, right? If GMC sponsors a YouTube video and we give some type of messaging about GMC or showcase their products, they're going to pay Dude Perfect for that, just like they would on a TV commercial. That's a piece of the revenue for us. Um, Then we have our merchandise side t-shirts, basketballs, mini hoops, all that kind of stuff. And we most recently have a a touring side of the business where we are one summer in now, had to take a break during all the COVID stuff. And we're about to go back out here in the fall. So that's just a live show that we do in basketball arenas across the country. We started with 22 shows a couple of years ago when we did that. And we're about to do 30 this fall. So that's going to be kind of crazy, but we're excited. Wow. That's a lot of pressure going live. How's that feel? Is is this rehearsed tricks? Well, The weird part is, you know, if you're a musician, it's very normal that you're in front of people and you see the reactions all the time because touring is what you do as you're coming up. For us, it's the opposite. You start, you know, in front of a camera and you never see people's reactions, even if millions of people are watching because they're just watching on their phone or their computer or their TV. So for us, it was, we're 12 at this point, probably 10 years in, and you're standing out in an arena. And we're seeing the reactions of the people who've been watching all these years. And it was honestly just a super cool feeling. And it was a good reminder that they're not just numbers to us that we see tick up on the YouTube counter, but that there really are individual families and and people that are affected by it. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing because I think that's so good for a lot of people that do marketing or videos. I mean, whoever may be listening, I mean, I would imagine it's so hard to get that sense of who the people are you're actually serving and, and obviously customer experience and knowing your customers is one of the things we talk about a lot here. Yeah, yeah I love that. 
So um, Justin's going to hate me for doing this because I keep on going off script, but usually I do so much of a better job in talking to somebody that I'm not as involved in as I have been with you. And so I'm able to kind of, you know, put things together sequentially and, and build off what I had said before, but I'm going to go back into putting together your trick shots. And you talked about Tyler's truck getting hurt and you just went ahead and pulled the plug on a trick. One of your most recent videos has you in a demolition derby. Have you guys ever <laughs> been hurt doing this stuff? And that was in front of a live audience. Uh, yeah, let me think. The demo derby, great one. You are on top of it because that was that was fresh. That was a fresh video. Good job, yeah. honey. Um, that one, yeah, somehow everybody's fine. That was a really fun deal. That was our first live battle in front of an audience. We were up in Bristol, Tennessee, and out of that super cool speedway that they have there, and a bunch of people came, and it was a blast. So if you guys want to look that one up, it's Demolition Derby on YouTube. But That's a great one. Um, and Cody at times we, looked scared. Oh, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty iffy, you know, it's pretty redneck thing to do. So it was, (laughs) but it was a ton of fun injuries. I think the worst one we have to date, which we laugh at Corey about, but I mean, it's kind of a bummer. He broke a finger and now it's crooked. So we were in a world record football edition, which we filmed at TCU's football stadium here in Texas. Super fun video. We got to break all these world records. They're goofy records. Some of them are kind of impressive. Most of them are just silly and goofy records. And one of them, Corey was blindfolded and it was the world's longest blindfolded football catch. And as you can imagine, you know, someone, I don't know, I don't remember 40, 50 yards away, just chucking a football up at you and then telling you to stick your arms out (laughs) and try to catch it. Most of the time it just, you know, hits him in the football helmet or right in the chest or whatever. But unfortunately he caught just a mega jammed finger that didn't heal right. And it's just super crooked now. So it's a bummer with every handshake. He's reminded of that video. Let, let me jump in. I, I want to ask them because, you know, the creator economy is, is taking off, right? I mean, I mean, you guys were, were part of the very, very beginning, but you see so much of this now. I mean, I know Tony Robbins even recently launched a whole software platform to help creators sort of get their content out there. When you think about that, when you think about the economy moving forward there, I mean, what what does that look and feel like every day, knowing that sort of you are the brand, right? And and how do you think through that from a faith lens potentially of, you know, gosh, do I do I do I act myself? Do I not? I mean, my audience knows me as X. Can I can I do this? This is my message. Can I change my message? Uh, and and how you look forward just I know it's a rambling question. I'm just interested in how you process through being the face of the brand and, and all of those things and making these videos. Yeah, great question, William. I think where my mind first goes on it is I'm grateful. I think it's cool that you don't have to rely anymore on like to be on a TV network, right? Like you don't have to go through a lot of the normal things that you would have had to do 10, 20 years ago to have an audience to then sell a product or a company or whatever that you know your actual product is. It's cool to be able to be authentic. I mean, that's what we always tell kids who ask us now, like, Hey, what do I need to do to make it big on YouTube? Right. It's, Hey, look, we had no intention of making it big on YouTube. Right. We were just being very authentic. Obviously from our faith standpoint, we feel like God's hand was on it, but we were just being us and doing something we genuinely enjoyed. And we feel like if you try to go, you know, manufacture excitement around something, you're going to have a very hard time sticking with it long enough to build that traction. And so I think it's just really cool that whatever you're passionate about, you can build a following around without having to kind of follow a lot of the old standards that people had to and kind of go through those gatekeepers. Um, I think from a, you mentioned just like your personal brand, same thing. I think 
I've bumped into entertainers or people and they're not the same off camera. We are, I feel like, and I've had people tell us, they feel like we're the same, maybe not quite as high pumped up on the energy levels that we are on our videos. Hard to maintain that all the time, but for the most part, I feel like we're authentic on camera because if you spend as much time as we do in front of the camera, it's pretty exhausting to try to fake that. So that's the direction that oh. we've chosen to go. That's okay, amazing. Another question comes to mind as I just meander all over things. You're the business person in the group or a business. Everybody's in the business, but you're a business person. Um, <laughs> does your insurance liability coverage cover the damage done by the rage monster? <laughs> you're blowing it. You're using right. fireworks. You're blowing things oh. up. He's going crazy. Some of the things and I also wonder is, is there ever a time when the rage monster goes nuts? And you're like, dude, I actually didn't want you to, to do that. That's actually going to really cost us. So the rage monster, for those who are unfamiliar, we have a series called stereotypes where we start out bas- pick up basketball stereotypes, type of people you would see golf stereotypes, you know, the guy that grabs the golf ball from the woods and acts like it was in the fairway and throws it back out. Right. We, we kind of paint a picture of all the goofy things within these different worlds and rage monsters is something that ended up a piece of it. And now it's people's favorite thing that dude perfect has ever done. And it's Tyler in these little skits, basically just absolutely losing it and breaking all kinds of things. We've to this point, taken a sword through an above ground swimming pool. We've knocked over a tree with a tractor. We've demolished a basketball court, blown up a house. We've destroyed (laughs) a jet ski. I mean, it's all you can think of. Uh, It's everybody's favorite and mom's least favorite. We get emails all the time from moms who say it's a terrible example. And that's the one email that we just, we just say, you know what, we appreciate your insight, but this is just, it's, we're going to let you parent your kids and help them understand that this is a joke, but that this is, it's just a production and we're just having fun. Compared to the rest of the uh, video content in the world, I got to, I can't feel like that's their toughest challenge. It feels like a a little soft to me. So I I think we're going to be okay. One of the things I'd love to jump into Kobe, I mean, you know, so 12 years, 12 years running a business. You know, I think we could get sucked into stories and fun and all those things. You, you guys have been running a business. You've been running an entity. It sounds like you're, you're probably all close with your wives too. You went to college together. I mean, that's a long time to manage through friendship, manage through business. I'd love if you wouldn't mind, share maybe a couple of the difficulties of, of going through that over the years that you can think back on and, and maybe how you guys figured out a way to manage through that together with multiple intertwined friendships, multiple intertwined families. I I just think that's so fascinating to dive into. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is a long time, right? 12 years is crazy that we've been doing it for that long. And anybody who's done anything for 12 years knows that there's ups and downs, right? And so um, we actually made, it was, I think it was two years ago now, we came out with a documentary on YouTube, which is a ton of fun. And it tells our whole story. So for anybody who's interested in seeing all of this in video format, you just type in the Dude Perfect documentary on YouTube. It's, I mean, it's a 90 minute movie basically. So it's not a quick five minute watch, but if you have the time, I think you'll really enjoy it. Really proud of it. But it shows kind of some of those ups and downs as well. And I just think probably the biggest one is just friendship over time. I think for us, you know, the bedrock of the business really is five friends. And so we have learned over time with good counselors and friends around us of, Hey, like y'all have to protect that friendship and you have to work through conflict together because if you don't, you know, the whole business could crater based on just the five of you guys and the closeness there. And so for us, obviously our faith is at the bedrock of that. 
I mean, each have to have a strong abiding relationship with Christ. And then, um, you know, it's important to all of us that we are each involved in community uh, where we have people around us who don't care that we're dude perfect, don't care that we have all the subscribers that we have and can speak into our lives. And then we do, like I said, we've gotten better. I can't say it's been perfect, but we've gotten better at resolving conflict between the five of us. The phrase we use as guys to make it easier is we sword ourselves. So if somebody needs to own something, they say, hey, look, I'm a sword myself on that. Uh, that was on me. I'm taking that one and owning that. And so I think that has been significant for us over time. Kobe, how long can you guys do this? If, if Tom Brady retires at 45 or 46, <laughs> how long, how long can the dude perfect show go? fascinated by that and just because at any point in time i think well you know and this point for me came probably about six years ago like there's nothing else to be done there are no more trick shots to be done they've done it and then everyone progressively gets better but how long does it go on it's a great question we ask ourselves that weekly i think the truth and or at least what we have felt is we feel like the world is always going to be in need of trusted entertainment and maybe it's going to morph over time. You know, one thing that we have really been intentional to do is to mix up the type of content we've made over these last 12 years. We started with all the trick shots. That's, I'm sure, what we will always be known for no matter what we do. But we've tried to pivot multiple times and introduce different stuff. We have the stereotypes. We have the battles. I mentioned the bucket list. We're going to be coming out with a clip show here soon. Um, you know, kind of America's Funniest Home Videos style, right? Like Overtime is a popular series of ours, which is more of a variety show, more like a Jimmy Fallon type um, show. And so as we've introduced those different types of content, we have felt kind of the lifespan of Dude Perfect increase. We feel like if it was just trick shots, to your point, we would have already been out of ideas, right? There's no possible way you could do 12 years worth of only trick shots. And so I think that's helped. The other thing for us is, it goes back to what I said at first, this year we have spent a lot of time on the business itself and not just the videos. We took some time for an offside and really for the first time in these 12 years kind of took a dive into our mission statement and kind of trying to craft what we wanted to be and um, where we landed at is we're striving to be the world's most trusted entertainment. And we feel like that has become kind of our calling card and our niche in the entertainment world. And we just know from having kids ourselves and from what families have told us specifically, even on our tour. And it's what you said at the top, Henry, there's just such a lack of that today. And that is just at the core of what we're trying to accomplish is make world-class entertainment that families can trust. And so I think, you know, whether it's us doing that or somebody else, I think there's always going to be a need and a desire for that. And so we want to just continue to make the best that we can and hopefully people will stick with us. So I, as I told you before, as a father, I'm grateful for your ability to do that and for the fact that you've delivered on that. And that's exactly <clears throat> what you are for our family. I think about the impression that you make on so many families around the world. And of course, with 56 million subscribers, you have, I'm sure quite a few of them are international. Have you thought of leaning into that more and taking the show on the road? And actually, you will never remember this, but right after the Backyard Stuntman, I reached out to you guys and I sent an email and saying, you know, you've got so many views. What would it look like to do one of these trick shot videos in Africa and call attention to a different ministry? And you've probably had thousands of people come inbounds on all sorts of different ideas to promote all sorts of different causes and missions that they care about. But could you freeform just a little bit about what it looks like to not only create a channel with trusted entertainment, but also a global brand? The impact, because what ends up happening is with your international subscribers is they now have a different perspective of number 
one, what American culture is like. And as they spend any meaningful time as subscribers, they come to understand there's something special about you. And it points with gentleness and respect to your faith. What does it look like to build out that international brand and that reach? I think kind of like we mentioned, not seeing the faces, it was hard at first for us to realize that this was beyond the US, right? Eventually we started diving more into the analytics and actually looking at who we were reaching. But for a long time, you're just making videos you don't even realize. And then you go on a family trip somewhere. And especially as it's, you know, the brand has grown over these years, it is truly remarkable, the reach of just YouTube in general. I mean, we are in just third world, very underdeveloped countries and kids still come up to us the same way they do in the US. I mean, you would think they don't have phones, but that's almost all that they have. And they come up to us just as much because that's what they're watching. And whether they're in the US, you know, in a a family that's well off, and now they just don't watch as much TV, they just watch more YouTube, or like I mentioned, you know, in another country in a difficult environment, it truly is crazy. And so we are, we're much more aware of that now. And we're hopeful to take the tour international in the next couple of years. We just think that would be a ton of fun and something that, you know, people have asked for. And I know we have enjoyed traveling specifically in the bucket list series. And it's opened our eyes even more to the people who are watching around the world, which is genuinely nuts. It's crazy. It's such a weird, such a weird deal. I noticed you didn't take the time to apologize to Henry for not getting back to his email, but you know, we can, no, no, we can do that. We can do that or another show out. We didn't um, that part out. Yeah. No, but and um, you saw it. You saw it in the South Africa bucket list. I mean, these kids clearly knew who you guys were, and that's from all sorts of different backgrounds. And that's got to be maybe a little scary. I mean, it just the burden almost of that of like, <laughs> oh my goodness, the things that we come up with, they're going to impact kids' lives all over the country about how they think and the talk and the language they use, and maybe even I don't know. Well, maybe you get at this. Does that must impact a little bit about how you think about your corporate partners, right? You know, if I endorse this, because you undoubtedly have had some people who have come in and say, well, gosh, is this really reflective of our brand or not? Right. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. That was actually one of the earliest decisions we had to make. We had an alcohol company approach us early on. Again, we're college guys. So why would they not reach out to us? And we I mean, it was adult money at the time, especially to college kids. And that was a hard decision for us. But I know that we were unified quickly on, hey, this is just not the direction we're going to take this. And initially it started. Because of our faith, we just decided, look, we're just going to take a hard stance on this. We know this is reaching kids, which is not something we're going to do. And then, you know, over the years, we've seen that that has become a strong business move as well, because the brands are looking for partners that are safe for them to advertise against and that they can trust just as much as families want to trust what they're watching. So it's worked out from a business perspective, but you're right. Even to this day, there are brands that approach us and we, you know, even though they're offering good money, we choose to turn those down because it could jeopardize the trust that we're working so hard to build. Okay. So this is an off the wall question, which I'm kind of known for. So bear with me. This may not work at all, but I'm very curious. Uh, is there a brand? Is there someone, is there something you've always wanted to work with or someone to work with that you haven't been able to one? I want to hear about it. And two, I want to see if our listeners can make it happen. Oh man, that's good. Um, Cody, the tall guy, really wants to do something with Cristiano Ronaldo. That's that's his top athlete to work with. We've had some good conversations with Steph Curry in the past, but we've never been able to pull off a video. So we're still hopeful. I, I think Steph wants to do it. So hopefully that'll happen. Recently, the guys, somebody wants to go to space. Tyler has said that if his wife lets him, he'll get on a rocket and he'll go to space. Uh, my wife has already told me no. So I already got the down vote on that, but that would be on our list. So 
if anybody has any connections there, All right. that would be. We well. got that. Cristiano Ronaldo, Steph Curry, and space. Just a quick recap. Yeah, come on, guys. Right. Come on, FDE audience. Come through. Come through for Kobe. You're our members of Team Kobe. This is how to bless them. Um, if I think of another brand of a bunch of guys getting together and doing neat creative things in a slightly different genre, it's the music group OK Go, and they did a video where they're all weightless. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was good. And it'd be interesting to find out how they did that. And because uh, I guess you have to go to space, I think, to go weightless. But maybe there's something there. I don't know. No, you can end up weightless without being in space. They they, they got simulators. We can make – I got a feeling Cody's probably <laughs> – you've you probably done that. Alabama's not known for much, but we've got a space station there, and you can go weightless. Okay. <laughs> no, what what did you just say at the beginning of that, Henry? Then my mind went to OK Go. Their stuff's unbelievable. It's crazy what all they've done. I can't remember if they did the, the zero-gravity flight or how they pulled that off. but It was a really cool one. It was, it was awesome. That may be something we include, maybe something we don't, but they're another creative group of folks that do some neat things. William, take us away, please. One of the last things we love to just leave as an encouragement for our guests is, uh, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to hear the stories. You know, you get to hear so many. Uh, we don't get to hear all of them from our listeners too, but every now and then we hear this amazing story of how God was just working through this exact moment for the people that are listening to our podcast. And so we love to ask, where in God's word is it coming alive to you? Uh, sometimes that could be something this morning, <laughs> you know, that came to you. Uh, it could be something you've been meditating on for a while. It could be something you've been meditating on your whole life. Uh, but just love to see how God's word continues to live and breathe and transcend our guests and our listeners. Yeah, such a good question. Appreciate you guys asking. Two things that come to mind, the community group I'm in right now, the couples, um, the guys who've been studying James, and it's just been a reminder to me. It talks about, you know, you show me your faith some other way and I'll show it to you by my works, right? And I've had always had a hard time kind of meshing those two. And I just think it's it's powerful to think about our actions are what demonstrate, you know, what's in our heart. Right. And truly like if God is doing something in me, that's going to come out of my actions. And so that's really been something I've been focusing on in James. And then the other thing that comes to mind for me when I was single, I was just telling a friend this the other day in Psalms, the verse, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And for me personally, I felt like when I was dialed in on that verse and trusting God to give me an undivided heart towards him, that was when I was most impactful and I was, I was just, I felt like I was taking my eyes off of me and putting them on the people around me and some students that I was working with and different things. And to me, that has just been a verse that's always been impactful for me. And I've got around my house. So those are the two that come to mind. Those are great. And that's been a blessing to me too. So thank you for answering that way. And, and dear Lord, I ask and, write, and pray right now that you would give all of our audience an undivided heart toward you mm. so that you may be able to know them each personally. And we pray for this and we pray for the continued ministry and staff and team of Dude Perfect. Give them your favor and blessing and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are very grateful for the opportunity to serve you, the larger faith-driven entrepreneur community, and we want to stay connected. The best way for you to do that is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you, and it's been very rewarding to see people come to the site and listen to the podcast now from more than over 100 countries. But it's even more important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your entrepreneurial journey, one that you're proud of and one that you're going to share with others. 
Hey, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman and program director Johnny Wills. Music is by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio and editing by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. Thank you.